Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Sarah Devonier, and he, today I'm here with Emma. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Emma, would you just talk a little bit about your family life, particularly where you came in your family and what the family dynamics were like growing up? Yeah, I am third of seven kids. And so it was really crazy fun growing up. We always had a lot of energy in the home, um, but it was very gospel-centered. My parents were very good at um, trying to get us to understand gospel principles and doctrines and um, applying them to our lives. Yeah. Uh, but in that sense, because it was so available, it was harder to create a sense of knowing your own testimony. Okay. So um, I always appreciated it and I loved it, but I think I had selective hearing a little <laughs> bit and uh, didn't take as much as they probably hoped, but had to learn it later, which yeah. I was grateful for. Well, and I think if the expectation is that we're going to get everything we need to know about the gospel in the first five years of our life, then everyone's going <laughs> to fail miserably, right. the parents and the children. Um, talk a little bit about with it, with a family that has seven kids and you're kind of in the middle of it, what activities or lessons stood out to you? You said that your selective hearing kicked in, and I think it does for all of us. <laughs> what did you selectively hear? What were the things that stood out to you um, as sort of powerful and speaking to you as an individual among all of those kids? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think my favorite gospel activities that we did were taught by each other because we had to learn how to be kind and patient with each other. <laughs> Wait, what? You were just naturally <laughs> kind and patient? I mean, maybe others are. <laughs> but it was, it was my favorite part to see my siblings get up and teach things. And when it was so pure like that, it mainly had to do with Christ-like attributes. So what I think I took most was those and especially kindness because you had to learn that with your siblings and the people outside of your family too and realize that they all were children of God too, right? Yeah. I mean, like when you're a kid, it's kind of hard. Um, but I took Christ-like attributes with me mostly, I think yeah. is what I was taught. Yeah, I like that. We used to joke, we have seven kids in our family as well. And my husband and I used to joke, today is the third volume in a seven part <laughs> series on kindness. Uh. <laughs> Because that, that is a principle that has to be taught over and over again, especially with a lot of kids running around and squashing each other mm -hmm. before the family home evening treat arrives. But um, with those Christ-like attributes that sort of stuck with you, was there an expectation about how your life would go if you had all of those Christ-like attributes as far as moving forward into your teenage years? Yeah, it seemed like my parents had everything figured out, and in my mind, they were the perfect parents um, and knew what they were doing. So I figured when I go out into the world, I'll have this grand old time being like, yeah, I know what it looks like to be perfect, and I can handle everything that the world throws at me because I learned about kindness or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but then going out, it is different uh, than you would expect, I guess. So the expectations that they had set for me, they may have not been on purpose, um, but I had to learn that where they were at and what they had learned has to come from your own experience. Oh yeah, so 
So there were high expectations and you expected maybe you would just reach that level. Yeah. Not realizing they had gone through years of work and, and an extensive, deliberate, difficult process to get there. Right. Um, did you ever feel like that, that because of that, the expectations were overwhelming in any way, especially as a teenager? Oh, definitely. I can remember going through high school and I mean, it's hard not to compare yourself to your siblings as well. Going through high school and saying, oh, well, my sister got a better grade in this exact same class than I yeah. did. Or uh, my parents were really proud of this thing that my sibling did. So I should probably already know how to do that so that they can be proud of me too. And even though that's not necessarily what they were expecting, that's probably, that's, that is how I felt because it was there and it was, I don't know the word, but it, it was shown by a lot of people that they could handle all these different things in life, juggle so many different things, um, yeah, well, and look it, perfect Yeah, doing and it's it. this comparison. It reminds me of this quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And they should add, especially when you're a teenager, <laughs> because yeah. that's all that you tend to do is compare yourself to other, to other people. As, as you got older and you, you, wanted to, you wanted to live the high standard and you wanted to meet everyone's expectation, do you remember a time when it just felt like that wasn't working? We call it expectation failure, which we want to highlight that because it's so normal to have it. But I think sometimes people feel like if they have expectation failure or if something doesn't happen like they expected it to, there's something wrong with them or there's something wrong with the gospel when neither is the case. It's just developmental. So when was a time when you had some expectation failure? Yeah, um, when I moved out for college my freshman year, I was expecting it to go pretty much how high school went. Um, not necessarily in the sense of friends, but in the sense of school and being able to reach, I don't know, an A student or whatever I thought yeah. I needed to be. Um, high school wasn't that hard for studies for me. I just kind of breezed through it and then going to college it was really rough because I didn't know how to study. I didn't know how to meet the expectations of my professors. Um, and then my roommates weren't what I thought that they were going to be either. And then all of a sudden, I actually had a choice to go to church or not. It was like, okay, I can get up or I cannot get up. And I have nobody to tell me if it's right or wrong. Like, that's my decision now. But like, will anybody find out or does that even matter? Yeah, so, so how did you navigate that? It was hard. I, I went through a whole process of kind of distancing myself from pretty much everything I had grown up being taught. Interesting. Because I wanted to experience why everything was so different outside of my home. So I would kind of experiment with um, maybe not going to church or not reading my scriptures this day or acting differently at school than I had previously. Not that I was, you know... A crazy person running around but like <laughs> I was I just wanted to experience and experience things for myself and it wasn't what I thought it would be especially because in my home it was so evident that the gospel was the way of life and then it was hard going out yeah in, in what way was it hard because I think there's if there are people who are who think I it would probably be better if I could just do everything different than I had ever been raised doing what maybe surprised you about what it was like when you tried these 
different things. Yeah, I didn't expect myself to kind of spiral down, but I did. I ended up going to a place where I felt kind of dark and alone. And I had never felt alone before. I had gone through hard things. I had experienced um, trials in my life. But for some reason, when I was having a hard time for my first year in college, I didn't think that I needed help or that I needed a savior or the gospel that I was going to do it myself because I could and that I had enough grit or whatever it was <laughs> to get through, um, which was not the case. So I found myself in a position where I had never been before, um, not realizing, I guess, how to get out of it until I understood that those things that I had selectively heard were there for a reason and that they would help me get out of it. So those Christ-like attributes that, that you talked about learning, where you said, I, I, I don't want to just selectively hear them anymore. I want to selectively act on them, select them deliberately and act on them. Which one of those helped the most when, when you were feeling alone and when you were feeling like things were so different from what you had anticipated? Um. I'd probably say patience and knowledge combined. <laughs> knowledge wasn't necessarily one that I had really thought of as a kid, but that was the whole point is that I wasn't just being taught things anymore. I was trying to figure things out for myself. So going through and realizing that I had to understand things for myself and know where I was at with the Savior, Jesus Christ, and where I was at for myself just on my journey in life and if I was happy or not. And I remember not praying, not reading the scriptures, not doing any of that. And then one day I was like, okay, I'm not happy. And I remember being happy as a kid. So what do I do? So I went back to the scriptures and I remember saying a prayer. And as soon as I said, Heavenly Father, I just started bawling because I finally felt his presence again. So it was really hard, but understanding that I needed to gain my own knowledge of the scriptures and his love for me was an amazing experience. And even though it was really, really hard, I wouldn't have traded it. I had to go through so it. So you're saying this developmental process is actually something you're glad you went through. Mm -hmm. I, there was a word you used earlier. You said, I thought I had enough grit. Mm -hmm. I want to flash forward a little bit to your mission. And the time during your mission at the end when you didn't know if you'd have to go home or not. And you can give a little bit of the context, but you had this experience with just grit and then you had these wonderful spiritual experiences. Will you talk about how the end of your mission helped you combine both? Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes it's easy to think, I've had this spiritual experience, now I can just coast. Yeah. And I, I'll just, you know, on, on the wings of, of that lovely experience, everything will be wonderful. Talk about how the end of your mission helped you combine both grit and that love of the Lord that you felt. Yeah, that's a really good question to ponder, I think. Um, my mission was pretty successful towards the beginning. I was having a really good time and I was like, this is awesome. But um, then I kind of got hit with a lot of sickness. I felt really sick. My stomach was hurting all of the time. My, everything I ate made me nauseous. Um, and then I was like, Heavenly Father, why am I going through this if I'm just here to serve you? Why is this happening to me? Um, 
and he didn't really answer me until I had figured it out for myself going mm -hmm. through it, which he knows that's the way I needed to learn it. So I started just kind of working harder and saying, maybe it's in my head um, and I just need to push through it. Maybe I'm creating this sickness. Um, and at one point I finally um, was sitting there and the Lord was saying, why haven't you asked me for help yet? And I was like, oh, I haven't? <laughs> like, I didn't realize that. I was just kind of pushing through it and I didn't realize that he could give me more of the grit that I was trying to just produce for myself. Um, and he said, you need to ask for a priesthood blessing. I can't heal you if you don't. And I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and how wonderful that you had that conduit open yeah. to previous experiences to get the message. Yeah, exactly. And that freshman year of college had kind of prepared me to try and put them together. So I got the blessing and it was the most amazing feeling I'd ever felt. He said, I'll heal you for this day, but you have to get other help to figure it out. Oh, I'll heal you for this, for this day. day. Wow. And I was like, okay. But it reminded me in Mosiah, in the scriptures, I don't remember who the Lord is blessing, but he says, I'll deliver you on the morrow, but you have to be patient. And I had read that that day and I was like, okay, okay, so I'm good for today. And I guess you'll help me figure it out tomorrow. That's great. And, and he, he did. And then talk about what happened after that with the surgery and... Yeah, I ended up going to the ER because I was in so much pain I couldn't walk. And uh, I had a kidney stone that was too big to pass by itself. And Just sheer grit was not going <laughs> to help with that kidney stone. No, and obviously you can't just pass if it's not going to come. <laughs> so you need help. Um, so they said, you have abscess fluid in your kidneys and you need surgery this week. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I thought, well, don't you have to go home if you get surgery? And they said, actually, it's an emergency. We can't send you home with that. And I was like, oh. And it was kind of interesting. I thought, that's the answer to my prayer because I didn't want to go home. I wanted to get through this. And well, I and you were to trying to push through the pain so you wouldn't have so to I go home. So I could stay. When some people do, do have to go home. Yeah. But in this case... Yeah, it wasn't actually an option, which I was so grateful for. Um, so I had the surgery and it finished, but I still had health issues, which was kind of interesting. But I had to rely on the Lord to get through it. I had this wonderful companion who said, I know your capacity and so does the Lord. So why don't you let him show it to you? Mm. And I was like, okay, you're right. And she was totally my companion for that reason. She needed to say that to me. So allowing the Lord's strength to work through me is one of the biggest lessons I learned in that time. And it was one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had, even though it was a physical weakness that I had or a physical issue that I had. The spiritual side of it is what brought me to get out of it. So putting the grit and the spiritual, I guess the Savior Jesus Christ atonement together relying on his grit is the only thing that made me push to the end. Yeah. Well, and to look at that beautiful metaphor of the fact that in that situation as a missionary, God knew your capacity and he could help you reach it. And I think that's such a great message for this podcast that the Lord knows our capacity. 
And it's not an expectation that we need to be overwhelmed by, but not only does he know our capacity, he'll help us reach us, reach it, he'll be with us. And you're, you're such a sweet example of that. Thank you for both your grit and your love. I want to just say that from now on, grit and love. <laughs> thank you so much, Emma. Yeah, thank you.